The Real Money Show, Talk Radio, AM 640, the number. As always, you know it by now, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com, the investor kit, the precious metal advisor, all the details and how you use your registered funds to fill up uh, with precious metals. I'm talking real physical metal here. It's RSPs, TFSAs, RESPs, lifts, liras, all that stuff. Information coming during the show, exactly how to do that. And as always, the top corner, you got the e-store. You can invest online from the uh, comfort of your own home, as the expression goes. Uh, Darren, we'll start with you today. How's the uh, the week that was? Well, John, this is a big week because we just passed the RSP contribution deadline as of Monday of this past week. And for us, this marks the largest single client in month we've ever had in Guildhall history. So we want to thank everybody for coming aboard, trusting us to help you with your investments in gold, silver, colored diamonds, and it was a tremendous February for Guildhall. So here we are, beginning of March, and uh, we do definitely want to talk a little bit about the market. The price of gold, as we're taping the show on Thursday, standing at around 1258 while the price of silver, about 1520 Gold is your best performing asset year to date overall, and that includes equities and all indices. So it is having a fantastic run so far this year. And what we saw during the last month was a rush into different types of vehicles, including ETFs, which uh, the gold ETFs beat an eight-year record as inflows for February reached um, uh, posted $7.8 billion worth of outlays. So again, these are indicators. We don't advocate the purchase of paper assets like an ETF, but this is the best way to get an indication of what the general public at large is doing. U.S. investors also have been the most keen to buy gold in terms of inflows relative to uh, starting assets under management. So this is a very, very good month, good quarter developing so far for gold, and certainly leads us to believe that if these prices stay in this range and slightly higher, we could see what we saw in 2011 easily. And on top of that, we're also watching other various areas. Now, speaking as a firm only, this has been one of the best months, the month of February, uh, for silver purchases also. We had a tremendous amount of uptick in the amount of 100-ounce bar being purchased, 10-ounce bar being purchased, silver maple leaf coins being purchased. I mean, I think right across the board, Paul, there was a pretty big uptick in all types of product. Oh, absolutely. And we're still back-ordered on, on product going from the beginning of January. So, you know, we're still almost six weeks behind mm-hmm. with deliveries. Uh, I mean, a lot of the product obviously has gone into uh, RSPs and TFSAs, but our own physical product for delivery. Um, we're filling all of our orders, obviously, but at the same time, we're back-ordered for two months, which means I've got product on order. Yeah, it's allotted to me, but we're just not getting it in, which tells me that people are buying gold and silver. It's smart. That's where the smart money is going. The stock market is kind of rocky. I'm just reading a piece uh, on CNBC from actually um, one of the chief uh, lecturers at Harvard, and he says bubbles are bursting everywhere. And that's the Australian housing market, the South African markets, uh, Europe, Japan, zero interest rates. Um, these are all markets that are tending uh, sooner or later to come unstuck. And gold and silver has always been an asset that has stood the test of time. It's there. It's an insurance policy against these markets, especially the stock market. We've had you know a four or five year run up in the stock market. It's starting to show signs of weakness. Um, 
the gold ETF, for example, is been loading up. People are smart. They're putting their money in a gold ETF. I would rather see people put money into physical gold and take it out of the system, whether they take it home, whether they put it in our depository, or whether they even put it in a TFSA or an RSP. It's much safer, and you're getting the physical product. A Guildhall, we only deal in physical products. We are not in the equity business. We don't sell ETFs. We don't sell certificates. We don't sell futures or options on futures. We sell the physical product. If you want to buy even a small amount, you can go to our e-store, go to guildhallwealth.com. Right-hand corner is our website. It's as easy as clicking a mouse to get to our website. You can buy silver maple leaves, one-ounce bars, 10-ounce bars, 100-ounce bars, all Royal Mint product. The same thing You on gold. You can buy one-ounce Maple leaves, quarter, half ounce maple leaves, one ounce gold, 10 ounce gold, kilo gold. It's very, very easy. You can take it home. But if you're buying a large amount, um, we don't recommend taking the product home or even putting it back into the banking system and putting it back into a safe deposit box. We feel that our depository which is safe secure allocated we give you the bar numbers if you request them Uh, you can visit your metal and it is outside the banking system it's the same thing even though rsp season is over it doesn't mean you can't buy gold and silver for your rsp or tfsa if you're in the market if you've got mutual funds if you've got stocks that are just not performing they are dogs and i mean dogs Cash them in. You're not going to lose anything in your RSP. Put it into gold and silver. There is more upside in gold and silver than there is possibly in the stock market. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. As Paul mentioned, the e-store in the top right corner. We uh, we showing any evidence, uh, Darren? I know you mentioned this in past shows that the global economy is starting to fail again. Well, it is, John. I mean, I think we could look towards the U.S. as being the only salvation in that particular equation simply because the mainstream continues to bombard us with signs that the economy is gradually growing, when in fact what's actually happening is that the major global economies have had a staggering debt. Now, the last time I looked at it was about quarter two was the last report of 2014, and debt at that time was about $199 trillion dollars in the global economy. The most recent figures will be closer to probably around 220 to 230 trillion because after 2014, the ECB, the European Central Bank, the the Japanese and the Chinese, they've all resorted to massive monetary easing programs while the US debt continues to escalate alongside of it. So with every passing second, you're getting growing total debt. And as a percentage of GDP, believe it or not, it stood at 286%. So for every dollar of goods, domestic product coming into the market, there's $2.86 in debt being spent. And the latest numbers that are going to come out are going to be proved to be much, much worse, especially when you consider and factor in compound annual growth rate and percentage of that total debt. Now, how that world reset is happening, I mean, what we're looking at is all forms of madness. They've got to come eventually to an end, including the printing we've witnessed in the U.S. and around the rest of the world. And the current economic madness, it started with the decline of both base metals, crude oil prices. I think the central banks are not able to prop growth or uh, inflate. So we've always referred to 
the world economy's resetting in the past as the global reset, and it's currently underway. And the equity markets are a good inkling as to where that's happening and how it's happening. They've jumped on the bandwagon along with other asset classes, which are plummeting rapidly. And again, when we saw the 2007 financial crisis, it was due primarily to the easy monetary policy by the Fed. If anybody more recently has watched the movie called The Big Short, they'll see how the housing market in particular was established and how it just ballooned into something that was a monstrous, uncontrollable asset class. And essentially, it's the same thing happening. The Fed sowed the seed to the financial crisis of 2007 by lowering interest rates from what was about, I guess, 6 or 7% in May of 2000 to 1% in June of 2003. Now, the interest rates went higher between 03 and 08 at the time it happened, but they fell right back again. Those low interest rates, as well as easy credit, are what encouraged investors to pump money into the housing markets and consequently prices of houses soared as they've done here in Canada too. The banks leveraged their balance sheets to unmanageable levels and it continued to extend reckless lending. If you look back, we saw the Lehman Brothers had a leverage ratio of 31 while Bear Stearns had a leverage ratio of around 36 and it resulted in their collapses. This is happening again right now. The writing's on the wall. I mean, if you don't move to have insurance in your portfolio to some extent, whether it be paying down your mortgage, that's insurance. Owning your house outright is insurance against the loss that you might incur in a portfolio if the stock markets go to heck in a handbasket. So this is another asset class in gold, silver, natural fancy colored diamonds that we discuss on a weekly basis that are forever going to be considered insurance policy in your portfolio. And like Paul said, we've just come through the RRSP season. This is no time to stop. If you have money that can be put into a TFSA and you're over the age of 26, you have $46,500 that could be contributed to a TFSA whereby if you own silver, physical or gold in a portfolio or a TFSA and the price goes up and you want to benefit from that, your capital gains free within that TFSA. So this is an ultimate opportunity at a low price where something like silver is super undervalued The ratio between gold and silver is above 80, which is astronomically high, especially even historically that's astronomically high. And again, you're seeing the same type of thing happen in all corners of the world. Have we learned our lesson? I would... I would say no, Paul. We learned our lesson. I mean, the the, the creditors are still well, out. They're still taking the debt. It's transferred itself in different forms. History tends to repeat itself. If it's not one thing, it's another. I mean, look at the oil business. Um, how many oil companies are really bang in trouble? How many oil companies uh, owe the banks money? And I'm not talking about Canada. I'm talking about the U.S. How many of these bank loans that have lent to ban- to oil companies that they will not be able to retrieve? Um, Gold and silver is an insurance policy. Everybody has uh, home insurance, car insurance, life insurance. Why not insure your wealth, your capital? And one of the easiest ways to do that is by owning a hard asset, whether it's gold, whether it's silver, or natural fancy colored diamonds. Silver is up almost 9% on the year. Gold is up actually 17.5% on the year to date. Uh, I think it's going to break out. My personal opinion is it's going to break out, and I'm looking for very, very... Well, actually, I'm looking for new highs uh, in gold and silver. In 2011, gold hit a high of $1,930. 
Um, we went down to around about a thousand dollars. Silver was as high as you know fifty dollars. Uh, we got down forty nine dollars, uh, as low as thirteen dollars and seventy cents. Right now we're trading over fifteen dollars in silver, but in Canadian dollars we're looking at twenty dollars. Canadian over twenty one dollars. I think there is a more upside than there is possibly in downside. And one of the great things about owning gold and silver physically, if you put it into our depository as an example, you're going to pay around about one-tenth of one percent of the value of the metal per month, which is about 1.3% a year. Over the next four years, can you see silver going up 5%? Because that's your... The cost of storing the metal. Right now, we're up almost nine percent on the year on silver, seventeen and a half percent on gold. I think there is more upside. I'm saying it again, and I think this is an unbelievable buying opportunity to buy physical. Whether you go and buy it from our e-store, take it home, put it into the depository, or if you have room in your TFSA, or if you have room in your RSP, and you've got stocks that are not doing very well for you, this is the time to get into gold and silver. one silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Listen, John, when we come back, we're going to bring up a couple of topics that I think people want to be prepared to listen to. One is, what is the rest of the world doing regarding gold? Two, I'm going to tell you what Canada did, and you're not going to like it if you're a listener and you believe in gold. You're not going to like it, so stay tuned. I know exactly what you're talking about. On that note, we will take a short break. Again, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Precious Metal Advisor, e-store in the top right corner. All kinds of easy options to get started. Uh, owning some physical metal, we continue with more of The Real Money Show right here at Talk Radio, AM640. The Real Money Show, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver and guildhallwealth.com. Get that precious metal advisor. Use the e-store to start uh, your first purchase, maybe uh, from the comfort of your own home and your computer. Then you take it further and get more and more and get uh, properly set up. But first, get back to the article you were talking about, Darren. Well, we were talking about the break before about the world economy resetting. And honestly, what we were just saying was that it's already begun. Essentially... The world GDP is not enough. It's not coming in at a fast enough rate. We've been living well beyond our means. We continue to do so, especially in Canada. I mean, every day I go somewhere, drive somewhere, I see people paying for credit for things that they should never pay credit for. I mean, think about it. In our parents' day and age, how many parents paid or used a credit card to pay for groceries? Hmm. A credit card. But that's because it's become so expensive to go shopping, right? A five-person family, which I have, Cost me when I go shopping four to five hundred bucks, and I'm going to tell you I pay for it every time. But I always see people in line paying by credit, and that's what's happened. It's become a highly leveraged economy, and it's been spewn around the world. And the same thing has happened around the entire global complex. When the Feds in the U.S. sought to solve the problem of already existing high leverage, in essence, they told us by a headline that they were going to cure the problem. But what they actually did is they implemented even higher leverage to do it. Every crisis is an opportunity to correct the unbalanced system, which will lead to years of instability. On this very show, once upon a time, our good friend, Lou Skeezus, told us that the only way to let this cure itself is to let it blow up. And he might have been right. I don't know. I'll have to ask him if he still feels that way. But the reality is 
the brilliant minds of those at the Fed, they sought to solve the problem of high leverage by means of implementing even higher leverage, and they just basically transferred the leverage from the private buyers onto their own books. And surprisingly, the major global central banks followed them right along in this madness. And this is what's happened around the world. Now, who has benefited from the central bank's actions? Well, the central banks have maintained interest rates near 0% or in the negative in some countries, as we're now hearing, and have resorted to massive money printing. The wealthy pumped money in to various assets, their holdings became inflated, and the rich become even richer. The poor had no money to invest, nor jobs, and consequently, they were not extended any loans in order for them to participate in the stock market rally. Thus, their struggles continue. Due to this, the U.S. economy, as the hallmark economy of the entire world, has not responded positively, and only few asset classes continue to perform. The global reset will take us some five to seven years to play itself out, John. It's going to take a long time for people to realize that the amount of lying and the amount of information and data that's been swept under the rug in favor of giving us positive headlines about the economy growing is so enormous that we're literally going to be locked inside of a vacuum that's going to just basically cave in on itself. If you don't have quality assets in your portfolio, my belief personally is that you are going to get caught and you're going to drown. And if you're going to drown, you might as well have something to hang on to that's of value so that when you hit the bottom, at least you can pay the guy to get out of that jail free, you know? Have some gold, have some silver, but better yet, not only should you have it for that opportunity, We're going to talk about natural fancy colored diamonds later in the show, and I'm more convinced than ever, 110%, that this is also an asset class that is going to make money hand over fist going forward. So these are the problems that are happening. And I said before the break that we would mention something that's happening in Canada that a lot of people aren't happy with or shouldn't be happy with. We brought to your attention a number of weeks ago the fact that our own bankers here including the Minister of Finance, who, incredibly enough, controls the final say on what happens to our gold holdings, started to sell off our gold. Now, they told us that this is a normal course of action. It's used to balance books. It's used to balance uh, debt and used to balance other incoming revenue. And, of course, there was nothing more said about that, a few articles written. Here we have an article this week written by Zero Hedge in which we're told now that as of today, this article came out March 3rd as we're taping the show, it's official. Canada has sold all of its gold reserves. One month ago, when looking at the latest Canadian official international reserves, as the article says, we noticed something strange. Canada had sold nearly half of its gold reserves in one month. According to the February data, total Canadian gold reserves stood at 1.7 tons. That was just 0.1% of the country's total reserves, which also include foreign currency deposits and bonds. Now, as we fast forward to today, we see that in fact, we have a staggering, and this is the drum roll part, 77 ounces left. Come on. Yes, sir. I've got more than that in my pocket. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this is laughable. Why just leave the 77 ounces? Just you know. Well, listen, it may just be a balanced thing. Who knows? But uh, Canada's reserves That's are- That's $100,000. Is that, you know, what, nothing. 12, $1,240 an ounce, 77, $100,000. It's nothing. So, I mean, basically, uh, you know, what they said, what the Minister of Finance has said, essentially, was that uh, Canada can focus on buying better assets. As to whether the government's decision to dump gold was wise and astute, well, we'll have to check back on that well, at some point and see. Well, gold is up 17.5% this year alone, and we're just at March the 3rd. 
I mean, that's crazy. Makes me think I mean, back. Central banks were the biggest purchasers of gold last year or up to February. Now, if they're the biggest purchasers, that means every other bank except the U.S. and except because they haven't had an audit of Fort Knox where they're supposed to have all the gold for 50 years. No one's even been inside to see what's in there. There's probably just crumbs, skids, wooden skids piled up, not product. And for Canada to sell off its gold, I mean, that is real money. Also a sign of what's going to come. Makes me think back to what we saw when we first started in this business, Paul. Once upon a time, there was a very large holding of gold in the UK. And our good friend... Mr. Chancellor Brown. Yes, sir. It was $250 an ounce. He sold it all. All of it. All of England's gold. Oh. Gone. Down the drain. They'll never get it again. Ounce. Yes, but you know what Mr. Brown got? He got a thank you. Nice pat on the back. The golden handshake. He became Prime Minister. So, of course, that happens all over the world. And, of course, these are the handshakes that lead to I'm bad sure decisions. The Exchequer, they make really good decisions. Absolutely. I mean, this is why I never get it. That you've got politicians running the country. Not one of these people are business people. I mean, they're told to do certain things and they juggle. And, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, but... You know, whether it's the Ontario government, whether it's the federal government, whether it's U.S., whether it's, uh, you know, it's just remarkable that they make so many bad decisions and get away with it. Nobody pays the price. It's incredible. Well, listen, I mean, the bottom line is that gold is evolving from what the mainstream analysts call a barbaric relic to one of the biggest winners of 2016 so far. As Paul said, gold's up 17.5%. It's leading the charge. It's beating indices. It's beating stocks. It's beating everything, bonds, all kinds of different investments. And really, gold's comeback, comeback could dominate the landscape for 2016. This precious metal is the year's best performing major asset. And this is above and beyond high yield and investment grade bonds, treasuries, currencies, major stock indexes in developing and in emerging countries. So you've got a lot of turmoil across global equity and currency markets, and it's leading to this uncertainty, which is telling people, buy the safe haven. But if you look at the stock market, if you look at the UK stock market and you look at the Canadian stock market, it's filled with mining stocks. If you... I've got mining stocks, Why? and you believe in it, why would you sell off all your hard asset? Why would you sell off all the gold? It doesn't make sense. Unless they're paying, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, and that's what it is. Well, this is a physical thing. We've got it. It's not making us any money, but we can use it to pay off a bill or do something else ridiculous. Um, I just believe gold and silver is a real good hard asset. Everybody should own it. Everybody should have some sort of protection to protect your capital have something go to our website go to guildhall wealth go to our e-commerce store you can buy as small as uh, you know we call it a combo pack it's 22 ounces of silver it's a 10 ounce bar 10 maples and two one ounce bars of silver it's you know 22 ounces if you want to go to a 50 ounce combo we provide that a 100 ounce combo a 200 ounce combo you can get started you can take that home if you're looking to buy larger amounts you don't want to be putting you know a thousand ounces of silver weighs 70 pound if you're thinking of putting that in 
a safe deposit box, you can't even pull the drawer out. It ta- you're going to need a pretty big box. If you've got five, ten thousand ounces of silver, you need to have it somewhere safe. You can't have it in the basement. You can't bury it in the garden. You can't keep it under the mattress. It's too bloody lumpy. So what you need to do is put it in the depository. It's very inexpensive. The, the insurance and the fees are a total of one-tenth of one percent a month of the value of the metal. It makes a ton of sense to do that. We, it's allocated, segregated. We give you the bar numbers. If, if that's what you want to do, you can visit your product. It's very, very simple. The other thing that we still offer is the RSP, TFSA, any other uh, type of pension plan, whether it's a lift or any of those others, if you want to put gold and silver in it, all you have to do is call us and we'll get you started with Quest Trade. They are the people that look after your account. They are the custodians. We just do the purchasing and make it so easy and keep you informed of what's going on in the market. This is a I think it's a great time to get into the market. Silver's trading right now around about fifteen fifteen an ounce. Gold is trading at twelve fifty seven. On the day we're recording this on Thursday, gold's up $16.50, silver's up $0.20. I can only see it moving higher from here. This is a great, great opportunity. And what we're offering, in actual fact, if you put 1,000 ounces in the depository, that's 10 100-ounce bars, we will give you a 10-ounce bar of silver free, complimentary. That you can take home. You can give it to your kids, your grandkids. You want to buy a couple of 1,000 ounces, give them a bar each. You know, it's a start to get them saving. You know, I started my son, you know, even when he was a kid, he used to take his, you know, coins, his loonies and his tunas. And as soon as he got it up to 100 or 200 dollars, you know, he went out and bought silver or gold. It's the smartest thing you can do. Get a kid started every year on my grandkids birthday. I got a, a nine year old and a seven year old. I give them an ounce of gold. You know, I've been doing this since gold was five hundred dollars. We saw nineteen hundred dollars. You know, right now we're $1,250. It doesn't matter. That $500, if I, you know, would have been worth $8,000. Instead of that, 16 ounces of gold is worth $20,000 US. In Canadian, mm-hmm. that's about $4 million. It's, no, it's about $30,000 Canadian. So, again, from a 16 to 30000 would I have got that interest or would they have got no. that interest over eight, nine years in the bank? And the answer is no. So, you know, put something away for your kids. Listen, when we come back, John, we're going to touch base on a couple of topics after we talk about natural fancy colored diamonds. We're going to hit Russia and we're going to tell you why they've become the world's largest buyer of gold. And oddly enough, we're going to discuss storage, gold storage, silver storage, and uh, what to look out for if you're considering doing any type of storage for your bullion. You might have some education beyond what you hear here on the show, but you might know anything, nothing at all about natural fancy color diamonds. Amazing investment opportunity. We'll go into it hardcore in uh, just a minute here. In the meantime, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. The Real Money Show Talk Radio, AM640. Real Money Show Talk Radio, AM640. For this portion, here's the website you want to use, guildhalldiamonds.com. You can go right on there, see the entire collection in high-res photography. And as we talk about some of them here, you can look at them on the website as well. Paul, what do you got this week for Diamond of the week as we get into it. I have got a diamond this week which um, I love to death. It's a 114, that's a 1 carat 14, fancy, vivid, internally flawless. The stone is absolutely magnificent. Um, This is a stone that just 
is incredible. We're talking I mean, yellow here, yes. Yellow, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the fire, the color that comes off of this stone, the scintillation, it's just, it's just marvelous. It's a, it's a piece of art. Uh, it's a stone. Um, you know, last week I saw, or the week before, I saw about 70 stones. I bought four. Somebody else may have bought the other 66. Good luck to them. Um, they didn't meet my classification. Every stone that we buy at Guildhall Diamonds has to meet our classification and certification. The first thing that we look at is the color. The color is very important. The hue of the diamond, it has to be evenly saturated. The next thing we look at is the cut of the diamond. The cut of the diamond brings out the in the trade it's called the fire and you see the colors just flying off the diamond so the cut is really important so for example in yellows most of the time you're going to see diamonds that are cushion radiant pear shape um, very rare diamonds um, are brilliant cut which is round cut um, and i'm going to talk about a, a, a round cut that we've just also brought it back into our inventory but these are the stones that really show off the you know the fire of the stone third thing we look at is the inclusions of the stone we tend to go for yellows in internally flawless we have probably got the largest selection of internally flawless diamonds whether you buy a fancy for around about 14,000 to an intense for around about 25,000 per carat or whether you buy a vivid which is top of the line Unbelievable color for around about fifty, fifty-five thousand dollars a carat. We have more internally flawless stones, as I said, than probably anybody out there. Every stone that we sell comes with a GIA, which is a Gemology Institute of America classification certification of that stone. That will tell you every single thing about the diamond. There is a lot of companies out there that sell diamonds and never ever want to take a diamond back. We tell our clients that you should hold a diamond if you're buying a quality investment diamond for maybe 5, 10, 15 years. That's when you're going to get the best returns. This is not like buying a house or real estate and you're trying to flip it in a year. Um, you've got sales tax of 13%. So that's in the first year you've got to you know get back that sales tax. There is some commission built into that diamond. For example, we have pinks. We sell a lot of Argyle pinks. We only carry VS quality, which means very slightly included. Pinks do not normally come in internally flawless, right. though we do have up on the websites going up this week an internally flawless pink. It's one of the first, only ones I've seen probably in the last seven, ten years. It's not nature's way. Um, it, no, it's a recut. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to get an internal, and, and it's a small stone, a point two eight. to get it from to an internally flawless, it could have been a half a carat, and someone's lost 40% of that diamond to turn it into an yeah. internally flawless, and they're happy to do that because they can get a return on their investment as a cutter and a polisher. So we have a great selection of VS quality. Go again to our website, and you're going to see incredible, incredible pink diamonds. But I want to talk about a diamond. We've just made a deal with a client who purchased from us a 1.51 fancy, vivid, internally flawless, brilliant cut. He bought a couple of yellow diamonds, and he wanted another argyle pink. So we took 
that diamond back mm -hmm. and we've got him into an argyle pink actually two argyle pinks at an at an you know an incredible price because pinks are going up about 35 to 36% a year on average when you buy a quality pink an argyle pink now especially on the argyles the argyle mine is closing in 2018 they produce 90% of the world's pinks yet the total pink production is one-tenth of one percent of their total production. They produce whites and browns, industrial diamonds. Even though they produce 90% of the world's pinks, it doesn't mean every pink diamond is a VS quality or a great color. It's a light pink. It could be an orangey pink. It could be a brownishy pink. But to get a pink, a fancy or an intense or a purposely pink diamond, you've got to go through millions of carats of mine diamonds to come up with one of these spectacular investment diamonds that can only increase in value. These are the diamonds that people buy and hold on to. The smart money has known about this for quite some time. They are savvy buyers. They buy it and put it away. We are seeing at auctions incredible prices. But you have to remember, deals are made between dealers, wholesalers, retailers that fetch incredible prices. The last resort is putting something into auction because you couldn't get the price that you wanted, yet they're fetching incredible right. prices at auction. So this is a, a great, great investment. You can get into an investment, even if you buy yellow. You know, we're doing a lot of engagement rings now. You know, people are coming to us and saying, well, you know, we're looking for a wider carrot, carrot and a half. Uh, my fiance really wants some wine. And they come to the office and we show them some diamonds and we show them some settings. And guess what? Done. 90% of the people are walking out with a colored diamond and saying, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Darren, for showing us this diamond that is not going to lose its value. If you buy a white diamond, I don't care if you buy a D, flawless which is the top of the line, you're going to pay $27,000, $30,000 a carat U.S. wholesale for that type of diamond. And that's a triple X diamond. To buy a white diamond, G quality in a VS2 or an SI1, you're better off buying a one carat fancy, internally flawless, because even at the worst, that diamond is going to increase in value 6 to 8% a year. I listen to a lot of people when they're talking to us about their experience with diamonds, especially in whites, because those are the most average purchase made. And the number one thing that comes across our desk is how, when they're buying it, they're cognizant that they're spending a great deal of money on something they're buying for sentimental reasons. How about if I told you there is a way to be in the colored diamond market, give the same type of sentimental value in a piece that you make for a loved one, an engagement, an anniversary of some sort, but down the road, look at that piece as not only something that was of sentimental value, but that could potentially put your kids through college. How about buy that new car when your daughter has her sweet 16? Boom, you sell the rock, you bought her a new car. Not only did it have sentimental value for 16 years, but it has a life story to be told. This is what the promise of colored diamonds has long term. Not only as an investor can you put it into your portfolio and hold it like a hard asset, but John... We've been doing this show with you now for, what, three years, mm -hmm. give or take? Prior to that, we've been with other hosts, and we've been on this station since 2008. We did our pilot episode. Back then, when we started talking about colored diamonds, Paul, how many people were really talking about colored diamonds back then? A handful, a handful. in the world. Yeah. 
at the radio station level, nobody. It was articles, written pieces, or you had to go to a wholesaler show to find out more about colored stones. And I there's, just, only, there's only three books ever been written on natural right. fancy colored diamonds. Yeah, there's you no. know, go go into uh, one of the bookstores and look up stocks, look up commodities, Endless. look at trading, look at you know, there's racks and racks, but there's only three books that are actually on natural fancy colored diamonds. That's how rare they are. Well, we've got. I'll tell you something. It's never been said before on the Real Money Show, but I think it bears being told here today. For those of you that like to follow the market, like to look into colored diamonds, like to look into gold and silver buying, and want more in terms of what's happening behind the scenes, there is a website called FinancialRepressionAuthority.com. FinancialRepressionAuthority.com. It's a couple of very smart blokes, one of which is a very well-educated individual named Gordon T. Long. We were listed on their website as being one of the solutions for long-term wealth, hard asset uh, management. And of course, we're right up there with the likes of uh, none other than Matternhorn. We're there with Wealth Terra, which is a name some people might know. They list Bitgold up there, which is another name people might have heard. And not only that, they list Sprott. Now, these are all asset classes and categories that are different for each particular uh, company that's being listed there, but we're listed as Guildhall Diamonds. And of course, they are touting Guildhall Diamonds as being the place to go to get an asset in colored diamonds that is falling under the hard asset category, just like gold and silver. And uh, we are happy to be given that type of good positive feedback by companies like this and uh, it bears repeating financial repression authority it just it just makes me think of when we started doing this and how long ago and now on top of that i mentioned the word sprott for those that invest you may know sprott asset management they're also in the business i don't want to knock another firm that i believe highly and i do believe in them however i want to make it clear that everybody is now starting to talk about colored diamonds i just read an article in which an asset manager in precious metals at Sprott Management is talking about colored diamonds, saying, yeah, that's part of that 20% of your portfolio that should be in gold, silver, colored diamonds, diamonds. And we've been saying that how long, Paul? Since 2008. Yeah. The, the funny thing is I had a phone call yesterday from somebody that was is in the business of colored diamonds, and they didn't have the best of reputations, but they would come to me and said, we just have kind of formed a fund where all the people that bought diamonds, uh, we're taking back those diamonds, and we're going to give them stock. I said, oh, my God, it took me two seconds to put the phone down on them because <laughs> it's another scam. You know, when you buy a natural fancy colored diamond, you want to buy a diamond that you pay $100,000 for, and 10 years down the time, road, in a pink, you're going to get a quarter of a million, 300000 You don't want to pay $100,000 for a stone, and 10 years down the road, you can only get $20,000 for it. Uh, we stand behind our product. We're only, we're only probably the only company out there that will – the diamonds that we sell, we're happy to take back. You know, we tell our clients right up front, this is not something that you're going to hold for a year. It's not day trading. No. You're not going to hold on to it for a year or two years and flip it. It's not like being in Hong Kong where there's no taxes. So, you know, you buy something for 100 and it's moved up 20000 and you're happy to make the 20000 You've got 13% sales tax right up front. You've got to cover that. You've got to cover some of the profit that we put into that stone. Mm-hmm. So within a year or two years, it doesn't make sense to try to sell it. So when we come back, 
We're going to do the fourth segment. I want people to call in between here now. This is the time to pick up the phone, go to the internet, look up the website. John's going to give you the information. We're going to touch on who's holding gold, who's the world's largest buyer of gold right now. I think I alluded to the fact that it's Russia, and we're going to talk about storage, how to Mm -hmm. get good storage for your gold and silver. It's not a myth. It's a truth. It's a reality. Guildhall is doing it. So we'll talk about that when we come back. That number that Darren just mentioned, 1-877-8-SILVER. Again, 1-877-8-SILVER, and online to guildhallwealth.com. Real Money Show, more of it coming up. Talk Radio, AM640. You know the number by now to get started on investing, one eight seven seven eight silver and guildhallwealth.com. Let's do it, Darren. Listen, I promised we would take the fourth segment to talk a little bit about the world's largest gold buyer. Now, what surprises me is that, number one, not a lot of people know this. I think a lot of people, as we alluded to earlier in the show, still think that Fort Knox holds the largest store pile of gold. Well, we don't know. And because we don't know, I'm tempted to think that the reason... They've delayed auditing the Federal Reserve is because that gold doesn't exist. And I allude to a number of different variables that we followed along the way from repatriation of gold to places like Venezuela and Germany and Switzerland that have taken seemingly years to get back to their own countries where their products should have been stored in the first place. We've got other types of things that are telling us this by the fact that the feds are delaying and they've shot down in the Senate, in the Senate a number of times uh, requests to audit the feds. And again, the list keep piles, keeps piling on and on and on and getting bigger and bigger. And the reality is I just don't think that that gold's there. If you want to prove me wrong, then of course audit the Federal Reserve and let's find out if it is. But in the meantime, when we talk about who's buying gold, we often say, Look to the central banks. You don't still in this day and age bet against the banks. They are perennially uh, correct on their assumptions. The problem is they never tell us what they are until it's too late for us. So when you see central banks adding gold to the reserves, always got to be a reason why. Now, if you look at what just came out, it was a report from Pravda.ru, which is a Russian website talking about Russia becoming the world's largest buyer of gold. And in it, it says that the International Monetary Fund experts said that the Bank of Russia acquired 688,000 more ounces of gold. That's the headline under the picture in the article. And essentially, it says that the 688,000 ounces of gold additional in their latest purchase. And we got 77 ounces. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Um, it turned out that the Bank of Russia became the world's largest buyer of gold among all central banks of the planet as of January 2016. Now, my colleague Jeremy, who's not with us today, he brought this article to my attention before I came out on the show. He said, tell the people about this. I want to share with you two of the things that we think are happening. Now, Russia alone, as of January, has and owns 21 tons of gold against our 77 ounces. That's embarrassing. We're rocking. <laughs> but we've got really good poutine, John. Oh, yeah, of so, course. You know, it's yeah. And hockey. And hockey, too. Yes, you know, not in this city. It's true. And now, if you look again, uh, just across a hop, skip, and a jump from Russia is China. As of January, they have 16 tons. The Chinese Central Bank last month reported buying 520,000 ounces of gold in January. Now, 
if you look at the reasons why they're doing this, one of them is obviously that they have anti-dollar, anti-US dollar intentions. They want to get away and have been trying to get away in that part of the world from using the US dollar for a long time. We've had a number of different things crop up economically that have tried to make sense of what could be used to establish a new type of currency. You've heard of petroruble and other types of things like that. But the truth is the US dollar has such a strong hold on the world economy that nothing uh, that has been able to stabilize itself well enough. We thought the euro might at one point in time. Of course, they sold them subprime mortgages, and we know where that ended up. But the ultimate reality is nothing has become good enough yet to balance against the U.S. dollar. Does it say in the article what India, how much India has? Well, India's had a significant increase because gold for the average buyer is becoming very expensive in Indian terms because of the tariff. rel- relative tariffs mm-hmm. and all the things that they do to cost gold higher. That's Paul's cell phone going off. It's lovely. It's India. They're calling it for the 77 ounces. They They want want it all. all. They want it all. But uh, they are buying India in particular is buying more silver. So that is an interesting story to follow too, one which I want to deal with on a later show. But leading publications of the world started the buzz about anti-dollar intentions of Russia and China. And they say that it appears that Russia and China have indeed decided to create a counterweight to the supremacy of the dollar. Now that's one point. The other point is you're creating a counterweight to the U.S. dollar, but you're actually bulking up and protecting your own reserves. Mm. You're so heavily weighted in your foreign currencies in the U.S. dollar because you've bought and bought and bought and bought and taken so much of that. Of course, in China's case, that's you know certainly uh, evident because we've allowed so much of the Chinese uh, product to come into North America that they've bought in response to that wow. uh, treasuries and U.S. dollars. But again, it looks as though they're they're know something that the rest of the world doesn't. They're they're preparing for a problem. And I hate thinking about it because I hate the idea that geopolitics, which is one of the fundamental reasons we buy gold and silver, would take over the economy, uh, it would take over the economical complex around the world. And that ultimately is something that we have to be paying attention to. So this is a very significant change in mentality. 50, 60 years ago, there's no way that Russia or China or India become large gold buyers or silver buyers. It's U.S., the U.S., but the U.S. There are also countries that think long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't seem to think uh, in North America long term. It's uh, it's quick, 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 quick. But they must have a plan. Otherwise, they wouldn't be buying all this gold. You know, India buys an awful lot of gold. You know, even other emerging uh, countries, Vietnam, are buying gold. They're all buying gold. I mean, what is the reason that they're doing this? I mean, they just don't trust fiat currencies. And, you know, the U.S. sells its treasuries. Um, they have to have buyers. And one of the biggest buyers of the treasuries, most people don't know, is the Fed. So the right hand is buying from the left hand. Again, this is just something that's been ongoing for a long time, and and we view this as nothing more than just banter between countries. You're looking at very deep problems that exist economically that they're trying to pave over, especially in the U.S. and here at home in Canada. And ultimately, to be selling an asset like gold right now is a clear indication that, again, our politicians are very, very short-sighted when it comes to understanding what's happening in the world. Yes, we have lots of reserves. We are one of the most natural resource-rich countries in the world, but at what cost? We're selling a tremendous amount of them to other countries, and ultimately, I think our people need to have an insurance policy, and one of those possibilities is gold, silver, and natural fancy-colored diamonds. The other thing that I wanted to touch base on before today's show ends 
is storage. And we get a ton of questions every week on a weekly basis about storage and how storage really works, what it is, what it costs, and uh, how do I know it's real and all those questions. And ultimately, what I would say is first that this is on the feet or the heels of what some people in our industry are trying to uh, to do and promote. And ultimately, we are fans of physical first and foremost. If you can't see it and touch it, it doesn't exist. Whether the firm you're working with has the ability to make certain the gold exists for you on your behalf, if you trust them, that's one thing. If you can go and see it yourself and audit it, that's another. At Guildhall, our depository accounts and all of the product that we put into our registered accounts, all of it, every ounce of it, is product that can be viewed and seen and stored and is accessible by the client. The extent to which the client wants to get access to their product depends only on what the client's appetite for that kind of safety and security is. If you want your serial numbers, that option is available. If you want to choose a specific bar to sell, that option is available. If you want to go to the depository and view your product, that option is available. If you want to pull it out, take it home with you, if it's in the depository, that option is available. If it's in a registered account, you can't do that. It's against the law. It's like taking home a stock certificate in an RSB. You can't do it. But ultimately, but you can, sell the you product can still and sell, it, sell it, and you can do it on a phone call and very quickly. Recently, we saw in the news a few of our competitors starting to challenge these norms, starting to get creative in what I would personally deem as a strategy of hypothecation so that one ounce can be shared by many. Uh, And we're seeing that a few of the competitors in this particular arena are now advertising that they will pay you a percentage of funds to store your product. So you bring your gold to me, John, and I give you a payout. So the value of the gold is yours, and if it increases, the whole value is yours. Right. But while it's being stored at my depository, even though the depository costs money to store, yes. cost us money right. that we pass on to the client because they have to pay for storage, yep. I'm willing to give you up to 3.5% back on a yearly basis of the value of your metal. Sounds fishy. Sounds fishy, right? How do you do it? Who in the right mind? We know dividends aren't paid out of gold. You can't eat gold. You can't build a house with it. Well, you could if you're really rich, but I mean, that's besides the point. But, you know, ultimately it's not there for those purposes. And sometimes the mainstream analysts are right. You can't get the same kind of productivity out of gold that you do out of stocks. But where in the world could you go and somebody's going to pay you to hold your gold? I'll tell you where. Where they're leasing it, you know, so that somebody else can use the physical so that it's not in your possession. There are no serial numbers. You don't ever see it. You don't touch it. That's the terrible way to look after your product. And furthermore, how do you know it's being bought and taken out of the marketplace? If you never get to touch it, if you don't get serial numbers, if you don't get to see it, if there's no proof that it's there, how do you know that it's being bought? How do you actually know that that ounce of gold you just bought is actually being purchased? And I guess that company as well uh, turns around and says, you may not get the same gold or silver that you purchased. Right. Huh? Sounds like a big bowl of wrong right there. Yeah, well, it sounds like a big fat certificate to me at a bank. You know, same thing, same idea. Hypothesized product, right? One ounce for 10. You know, 10 people sharing the same ounce, but of course on paper, not all 10 people call for delivery of the same ounce. So, hey, no worries. We can keep the scheme going. 
don't be fooled by situations like that. When we put product in our depository, it's physically sitting on a shelf. That costs money. There are people working there. There's full-time security. There's all kinds of things. It's insured. insured. People have to pay for those things. You don't get money back on that. Don't fall for these things. And when it comes to buying your gold and silver, always take it physically. Always, always, always. Guildhall is here to help you. Colored diamonds are an excellent thing to learn about. Try to get to our website. Do a combination of both. Do a combination of both. And uh, we look forward to coming next week and speaking with people. Yeah, and if you have room for an RSP TFSA and you want to put some gold and silver, you can still invest. We do it all year round. Returns. Tax returns coming. Think about what you want to do with those returns. Time to put it in some gold and silver. Till next week, one eight seven seven eight silver and online to guildhallwealth.com. Get on it. That has been The Real Money Show right here on Talk Radio, AM 640.